Today we're continuing our look on Psalm 119, verses 81 through 88. And what we've seen is that this psalm is like a school in the skill of waiting. It teaches us how to wait well. And it's a dynamic back and forth between the psalmist crying out to the Lord, telling him his situation, and then asking for the Lord to act. And so yesterday we walked through and marked the different situations that he's in. And today we want to walk through and make special note of the prayers that he prays as he's waiting. So this section is a, is, is a prayer. It's prayers for action. His adversaries have brought him to the, to the lowest point. And I think we'll have to see. I think this might be the lowest point in this, this psalm. This is his personal midnight. All throughout the Psalms, he's talked about uh, crying out to the Lord in the middle of the night. And in some ways, this section is his personal midnight. But each of these cries, there's four of them, and each of these cries are like stars that can shine through the darkness. Each of them are a ray of light, a ray of hope, a ray of prayerful protest that this will end and the Lord will respond. So let's look at the first one. And you can see each of these cries in the even verses. So 82, 84, 86, 88. So 82, his eyes fail with longing. He's looking, and then here's the cry. When will you comfort me? So this is a cry for comfort. See, his eyes fail. His eyes fail to see, but his mouth still cries. So it begins with a cry for comfort, crying out for comfort. And then 84 is a cry for justice. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? How many are the days? See, he recognizes that he can't live long in this state of difficulty, in this state of agitation. And this is why depression is so difficult, so dark. It's like a stubborn darkness that you just can't shake. And he's saying, how long will this go on? Because you just can't, you can't live in this state of agitation. You know, right now, in the midst of all the great agitation that our country is experiencing and their great cries to, um, we can't let this be like other times where people just move on and then nothing changes. Of course, it's a question, does, does nothing really change? Are you sure about that? But of course you have to move on. You can't live in this state of heightened agitation. And he knows that. But that doesn't mean you don't cry out for 
justice. That's what he's doing. And even though we have a fuller understanding of the world to come, we we must not pass over the cry here. The desire is that earthly issues will be settled on earth. This is the logical outcome of the biblical doctrine of creation. It's calling out to the God of peace who will also be the God of justice. And peace happens when we live under God's good and equitable rule. That's what justice is. Something we say at Trinity all the time is that this is God's good world, ruined by sin, redeemed by the Son, being recreated by the Holy Spirit. This is a cry to make the world good again. And as long as there's injustice, it's not good. Asking the Lord to act here and now. We're not just waiting until the kingdom come even though that's when justice will come in all of its fullness. We want to see it here. So you have a cry for comfort, a cry for justice. And then look in verse 86. They have persecuted me with a lie. Help me. Help me. This is such a precious, precious prayer. It's a cry for help. And here is his great hope. God's help is our hope. If God will help us, It matters not who may hurt us. These words suit a thousand conditions, a thousand conditions of need, a thousand conditions of pain, conditions of trouble, conditions of distress, conditions of weakness, conditions of sin. This is the first movement. God, help me. Help me. And flowing from that help is our hope. And see, the biblical doctrine of hope is that we wait with confident expectation. Confident about the event, but unsure about the timing. See, often when we talk about hope, we can be confident about the timing, but unsure about the event. What I mean by that is sometimes, you know, we use hope like, you know, I hope tomorrow will be a beautiful day so we can go to the beach. Uh, You're confident about the timing, tomorrow, but you're unsure about the event. Will it be beautiful? But the biblical hope is the exact opposite. We're confident about the event, but unsure about the timing. We know God is going to bring justice. We just don't know when. We know he's going to bring help. We just don't know when. But this cry for help in many ways is the central cry, the central prayer And then notice verse 88, revive me according to your loving kindness. This is a cry for life. Give me life. Give me the life I need so I can learn to wait well. But then notice it's a cry for life, not necessarily a change in circumstances, but it's a cry for strength to endure so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. The prayer for life is a prayer so that he will maintain discipline, to keep the testimony, to stay focused, to do the things you've called me to do, to do the things I know I should do. The prayer for life is a prayer for discipline. So these four prayers offer a tremendous strategy, a game plan for what you cry out for in the midst of the darkness, when you're waiting. So when the dark days of depression hit, discouragement hit, great agitation over injustice hit, you cry for comfort, cry for justice, cry for help, and cry for life.
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, all 